Good morning. This is Tom Dunlap from the Black Letter Podcast, and you're listening to our Monday Minutes. Let's get started. So today on the Monday Minutes, we're going to talk about breweries, one of my favorite subjects. Breweries, distilleries, wineries, places you can get a drink. And why does a brewery or a winery or distillery, why do these booze makers need trademarks? So I'm going to share with you a blog that we wrote, and you'll find this also on the DBL website, dblawyers.com, and this podcast in our Monday Minutes. So every brewer, distiller, and winemaker understand that having an amazing name is almost as important as having an amazing bottle of booze or beer or vino. Likewise, hundreds of breweries, wineries, and distilleries, and I'll just collectively refer to these as drink makers, enjoy coming up with pithy names for every beverage. The alcohol industry is one of the few places a trademark attorney doesn't have to struggle to explain the value of brand. Uh, The value of brand is sort of inherent in the cool pictures, logos, and names these companies come up with. So why then is it difficult for me as a lawyer to get across the value of a trademark registration? Well, I'm going to share with you the four reasons it's important. And I hope if you're out there brewing beer or stomping on grapes, that you're listening uh, to this. So the first thing Uh, use of the brand in commerce is king. So even if you come up with a cool name, you might be stymied. David, tell me about use. Yeah, well, use is king, Tom. Uh, Generally, whoever was there first, whether they're using the name as a winery for a bottle of beer or distillery services, is likely going to have the legal ability to keep others out of the marketplace. But even once you've done a trademark search and determined that you are okay to use the mark, If you do not file for that trademark, you risk losing the right to file once again in the future uh, because someone else might file first. Even if, for example, you're the first and original user of a trademark, if you only sell regionally and another brewery comes along and decides to file a trademark for the same beer label name, they can exclude you from ever distributing under that brand outside of a very limited geographic area where you originally distributed. Filing a trademark, however, gives you national rights in the trademark for forever, or as long as you use them, and pay the maintenance fees, uh, which after the initial Section 8 and 15 filing, those are only due every 10 years. This is how Coca-Cola has had the same brand name since the 1800s. So the second point we're going to talk about is the Highlander Rule. So this second point I call the Highlander Rule because, well, there can be only one, right? Only one guy with a fancy sword at the end of the movie. Um, And by the way, that guy, Christoph Lambert, went to my high school and his accent wasn't Scottish, it was Swiss. Uh, oddly enough, I guess just in the 80s, people really didn't know the difference. So it worked for the Highlander movie. So only one owner, and that means one owner of one name in the highly competitive environment of drink makers. So if your brand is dog stinky, you're the only one that can own that. And another vineyard or a winemaker or another brewery can't use it to call their beer or their winery or anything because of this only one rule. So if your brand is the same or even close to another drink maker's brand, only one of you gets to keep it and use it. Until you've done a comprehensive trademark search and cleared the name, you don't know if you actually have the right to use a brand name for your beer. And I run into this all the time where a brewery will come up with 20 names and start selling their beers and there are at least four or five other users of that same brand out there and nobody's registered it. And it's a free-for-all. And the one company that has registered it gets to send a cease and desist letter. And you could be a subject of that cease and desist letter. And ultimately, if you don't stop using it, you could be the subject of a lawsuit. We send hundreds of these letters out every year for our brand owners at wineries, breweries, and distilleries. 
And these brand wars are no small thing. So remember that. And the third reason you need to register your trademark, Mr. Brewer, is the investment value. David, tell me about the investment value of a trademark. Uh, that's right. Um, having a registered trademark allows the brewery owner to wrap their arms around the IP and create investment value. Every dollar you sink into that brand, whether, whether it's a beer label, a vineyard name, or a distillery tour series, is a dollar potentially squandered if you don't affirmatively own the brand. As I mentioned earlier, anyone can come along and either file a national registration, forcing you to change the name, or in the best case, cut off your rights to use the brand outside of where you originally distributed. Registered trademark proves to any subsequent purchaser that you have the right to that brand. And the fourth point of why the breweries need to register is, of course, distribution. So when it comes to distribution, once you have a U.S. registration, because we're signatories to something called the Madrid Protocol, which is an international treaty that something like 180 countries have signed, this gives you the right to file a corresponding mark in any other country using the U.S. application. You can even claim the date of filing your U.S. mark as the date for the other mark in the foreign country if you file within six months of your U.S. application. But even if you don't within six months, it's important to file that foreign registration or somebody could use your brand to sell their beer in another country. There's some nuances to this, but it's important to combine it. So in addition to these four reasons, I'm going to share a couple quick notes. One is trademark searching. So a lot of our clients go to the USPTO's trademark database called TESS, T-E-S-S, and they type in their proposed brand name, like Stinky Dog, and there are no hits. And they think, that's great. I typed in Stinky Dog and it said there are no trademarks called Stinky Dog. The challenge is that the owner of the trademark owns a lot. It's a very broad standard. So it's important to understand what a search needs to do when you're looking for a trademark. When you're searching for a trademark, you should be looking at other marks to see if when you use your mark, there could be, and I'm putting air quotes up here, a likelihood of confusion by consumers of your product or service in the quote, relevant marketplace. And that's quite broad. Um, relevant marketplace means any consumer that could possibly buy alcohol, not just people in Michigan buying stinky dog beer or something like that. This comes from the In Ray DuPont case, and that's the case the USPTO looks at and the examiners rely on when they look at your trademark and compare it to other trademarks to see if that confusion exists. So the easiest way I think to explain this is with a direct example that I kind of made up. It's not a great example, but it's an example nonetheless. So say there's a registered trademark called Couch Beer for beer, which is not, again, a great brand, but Couch Beer. Um, what would be potentially legally confusing with that brand Couch Beer? So my beer is Couch Beer. If I am another brand owner and I see somebody trademarked Couch Beer, well, I'm going to be coach beer or crouch beer. Well, so those might be phonetically confusing. So the trademark examiner could reject those because they sound very similar in their sibilance and the way they're pronounced to your word. So you could get rejected for those, even though in my direct trademark search example, you wouldn't have been rejected. What if it was, you know what, we're not couch beer, we're sofa beer or we're couch ale? Well, with, since couch is pretty much the same thing as sofa, and ale generally in the trademark world is going to be the same thing as beer. And yes, beer people, I know that ale and beer are not technically the same thing, so calm down. But the idea when you're looking at trademarks is that they're essentially the same thing. For purposes of the trademark examiner's review of those two marks, they're going to be confusingly similar. What's my recommendation? Not surprising. Pay a lawyer to do a trademark search. But before you do that, 
type the name into Google. So type the name couch beer, follow it with the word beer or ale and like couch beer, beer, and see what hits you get. If somebody's already using the brand and you're just launching, think about another brand. Even if they don't have a registration and you could get the registration, why buy a fight? Ultimately, you're going to have to pay a company to do a deeper dive uh, and detect phonetic equivalents and other confusing marks. Think about that. And of course, obviously, you can visit us and do that, but there are plenty of places to do that. But make sure you do a full search, not just your, is it the exact same word search? Finally, when it comes to filing, I recommend that you consider using the intent to use system. And this is something that's relatively unique in the United States. I think Canada has it too, and we're licensed and file there too. But around the world, it's fairly unique. And this system allows a brand owner, and a lot of breweries do this, especially because they have so many beer name releases and it's so competitive. But you can pre-register a mark, file in the USPTO's register as something called a 2B intent to use application ahead of a brand launch. So you can kind of stake your claim to that name, that intellectual property for as long as three years. And the USPTO examiner can actually clear the brand to some degree before you start using it. You will have to file a subsequent statement of use, but it's a fantastic way to get ahead of that. So at the end of the day, I can't overstate how vital and central and just playing important it is to breweries, wineries, and distilleries to register trademarks and kind of like voting, register early and often. Um, This has been the Monday Minutes. Thanks for listening. This podcast was originally published as a blog at www.dblawyers.com and was written by, by me, Tom Dunlap at Dunlap Bennett and Ludwig. Thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.